0: You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. All right. Let's get our Bibles out this morning and flip them open to Matthew chapter seven, as uh, we dive into the second last message in our series. Real talk. This this section of uh, Matthew chapter seven is the last part of Jesus' actual teaching, and then next week we'll get into just kind of a comment that came afterwards. When it says, "When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he's teaching them as one who had authority, and not as their scribes." And that will be uh, next week's message. This week is just the last part of what uh, Jesus has been teaching them. So uh, you'll remember that um, back in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1, Jesus had been out and he goes up onto the hill and he sits down. He starts to teach them. It says, when he sat down, his disciples came to them. And so this group of people, it's an undefined group. We don't know exactly who was there. They weren't all followers of Christ. They didn't all continue to follow him. Uh, Some of them certainly dropped off i 'm sure some of them got offended by things he said and even walked out in the middle of the sermon um, and um, that would probably be okay um, it 's happened here before uh, someone didn 't like what was being said and decided i 'm not staying around and because Jesus had taught him a lot this was like drinking from the fire hose for two hours, maybe, three hours, who knows. Um, But some of the things that he had taught them about, he started out by teaching them about the Beatitudes, the kind of character traits that you and I need to have, want to have in our lives. And uh, what do those things look like? And he taught them about those. And then he taught them about that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You're not just one among many different kinds of salt or different forms of light. You are the salt. You are the light of the world. And he's going to teach them that all of that's going to hang on who he is and what he is doing. And, and then he came and he, he, would, he, he brought into a section of this what would have just thrown the spiritual leaders. They would have gone crazy. When he said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And um, all of these self-righteous and leaders and all of the rest and who thought they were something, and they're starting to understand that Jesus is claiming to be something way more than they ever claimed. And he's really stepping into areas, really, he's, I am the Messiah, I am God. And uh, there would have been great offense for some of them, but he was coming. He wanted them to understand who he was and why he had come. And, and then out of that, he he took those took those words that I I haven't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it by going through a whole bunch of different topics. Where where he said, "You have heard it said, but I say to you." And he talked about anger and lust and divorce and making promises and retaliation and loving your enemies. Um, it was like a hit list right off of 2017. What we need to hear. Here, and he taught them. If that wasn't enough he moves on he talks about how we should practice our righteousness and how we give to the needy and how we need to be people of prayer and with our focus not just on the words we say but on the heart that goes behind it and told us not to judge one another. He taught about fasting and laying up treasure and anxiety. And then he came into this last section of the teaching, the last four parts of the teaching, where if you're really to summarize it, you really bring it down to uh, the core of it. He's saying, it's, it's time for you to make a choice. It's time for you to choose. And really, Jesus is saying, you need to choose me. He starts out by talking about two gates the narrow gate, which leads to the hard way that leads to eternal life. He talked about the broad gate that leads to the easy way that leads to destruction. He says, you need to choose. You need to choose. And then he went on from there after talking about that. And he talked about the two kinds of prophets and the false prophets who had the message. And it was about um, um, wolves in sheep's clothing and people who are coming to destroy the church and he went on from there and he talked about two kinds of disciples. And in that he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he certainly was referring to the prophets at that point, but he was, it's a broader group now. And just because you say the right words, it doesn't mean you're a follower of Christ. Just because you've learned the right verses, it doesn't mean that you are in Christ. Not everyone who says the right things, but him who does the will of God, him who does what Jesus Christ calls us to do. And we're going to see that again in the text today. And, and then the fourth one was this message about two foundations. And he's really saying either you're with me or you're against me. You're either with Jesus or you are against Jesus. And we see that pictured again as he comes to this text on, on two foundations, two kinds of Builders, and then what are their results? What are they doing? How is their life being lived out? So, you got your Bibles open. Let's make sure we get this on the right foundation. Let's stand as we honor God by reading His Word. Uh, Matthew chapter 7. Listen as I start at verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word that we hold in our hands. Thank you for this amazing time we've spent in Matthew and this Sermon on the Mount as we call it and Jesus' amazing teaching as he's laying the foundation, Lord, that we have seen fulfilled in so many ways. We've we've seen what Christ did. We've seen what Christ accomplished for them. This was an overwhelming teaching and even today as they were considering what Jesus was claiming and who he was claiming to be, Lord, I, I pray, God, that you would give us ears to carefully listen to what your word is saying today. You give us minds to, carefully comprehend what's being said. But then, Lord, would you give us hearts that we would respond accordingly because of who Jesus is, because of what he has done. Do this work for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, as we think about buildings and think about foundations and think about how you do structures and all the rest of it, uh, Jesus would have understood a thing or two about this. After all, he grew up in a carpenter's home. I don't think the scriptures ever said what kind of a carpenter his. His earthly father was, but he was a carpenter. Jesus had learned to work with his hands. And whether um, Joseph was a fine carpenter, doing fine carpentry work, a cabinet maker, whether he was a rough-it-in kind of guy, whether he was a builder, I don't don't really know. But Jesus understood the reality. If you don't get the basic things right, you get it all wrong. And I believe that's kind of where this um, idea comes from. And, And Jesus talks about a man who builds his house on a rock and then he talks about a man who builds his house on the sand the first thing we want to see is that there's really just one message there's one message in that verse 24 it says everyone who hears these words of mine and does them one message everyone who hears these words of mine and does them and then down in verse 26 everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them uh, there's one message and the message is the same and the message of Jesus Christ is consistent, and how you respond to it and what you do with it will make all of the difference. But when it comes right down to it hears these words of mine and does or does not do them. Now, Jesus is saying it's time to choose. And he's saying you need to choose me. You need to choose me. In Isaiah 28 16, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation in a world filled with pluralism and self-worship. Jesus is the critical answer to the needs of our world. Acts 4.11 says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. In 1 Corinthians 3.11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There is only one foundation that is ever going to satisfy. And it's not you. And it's not your things. And it's not another form of religion. It is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Uh, Three things I want you to think about about this. And as you consider about building your life, here's the first one. Build your life on the reality Reality that is found in Jesus Christ. Now, what is the reality? Well, the, the reality is that we are separated from God in our sin and there's nothing we can do about it, and Jesus Christ came to offer himself as a ransom, as a payment, as a sufficient requirement to pay for my sin. That's the reality of what Jesus Christ has done. If we get the foundation wrong, we get it all wrong, and the foundation is it's all about the work of Jesus Christ. It's all about what he came to do. It's all about how he surrendered himself. It's all about the hope that can be found in the free gift that is offered to you and offered to me through the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's the reality of the foundation. And if we get that wrong, we get it all wrong. If we think somehow it's about me and somehow about us, the reality is our hope is being built on a foundation which is Jesus Christ. We call that the gospel, the good news, what Christ has offered to us. If you come to our church, you know I preach it all the time. We, we found ourselves as people because of sin, separated from God, dead in our sin, nothing we could do about it. And Jesus Christ came. He lived the perfect life so he could be the perfect sacrifice so his blood could be shed so I could have eternal life by faith alone in Christ alone. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. I can't. But Jesus Christ gives me the gift. If I'll just receive the gift of eternal life, And I see what Christ has done and I accept the gift and I turn from what I was hoping in before, all the things I thought were going to get me to God and I put my faith in Christ and I move in a new direction because of the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done. That is the foundation stone. That is the rock that we have. The second thing that comes out of that is the stability that we have. It gives us hope for every day. I watch people in our church who go through very, very difficult things. I've seen people go through the tragic loss of a loved one in our church. I've seen people going through devastating health things. And I watch how they respond. I see the stability. And then I see in the world people who go through the same thing, who have no hope, and they are lost, and they are dismayed. It doesn't mean that they aren't both in pain. It doesn't mean they aren't both struggling. But the reality is there's a stability that we have because of the finished work of Christ, because of the rock on which our lives are built. Jesus Christ is the reality of our salvation. He's the stability of our lives, and he is our hope for eternal life. And that's the third thing. Jesus Christ is the hope The bottom line is that we need to understand that we were built to live forever. And we're going to live forever. We're gonna live forever either with God, with Christ, or outside of God, outside of Christ, but we were built to live together. We also need to understand at the same time that our physical life is just like a vapor. It's not gonna be long. And we'll spend infinitely more time with God on the other side in eternity if we are with Christ or we will spend eternity without God in a place that's called hell. And the hope we have is because of Jesus Christ. I love what John wrote when he wrote about this when he said, and I go and prepare a place for you, speaking for Jesus. I will come again. I will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The hope of eternal life is found in the reality of what Jesus Christ did when he came and suffered and died and rose again and now intercedes on your behalf if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ Have you done that? Are you a child of God? Are you a child of God? Not resting in your own hope, not resting in what you can do, not resting in what you can accomplish, but in Jesus Christ alone said this probably 50 times in our church, but I am so thankful that when I stand before God and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? I won't puff out my chest and says, because I did a good job at Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region, because I did a lot of good stuff because we helped some people along the way. I never knew you, he would say. I'm gonna say because I want him, because of what Jesus Christ did. Because I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation. That is my hope. That is the rock. And when we go through the hard thing in our life, when we go through the thing that, that shakes the world, they have no hope. We have a stability because of the work of Christ. And then we have a hope of eternal life. And They both got the same message. Everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus is the message. But there were two responses. There are two responses. We see them in the text. One was the response of the wise man. It says in the text, He who hears the word of mine and does them. It's not enough just to hear the words of Jesus. There's a requirement to do them. Now don't get confused. There's no confusion about this in salvation. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But the person who has trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior lives differently. It changes you. You can no longer be the same when you understand what a wretched mess you are and what Christ has done for you. He hears the word, taking that in, and as a result, what do they do? They do them. They obey. James 1:22 to 24 says, "But Be doers of the word. Not hearers only deceiving your own selves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. He, he does them. Does what? Does the words. Does the words. The words of who? The words of Jesus. So in a general sense, it's, it's all of the words of Jesus. Everything that we know about him. And, and we are so fortunate to sit on the other side of this. Remember, they're sitting and listening to Jesus as he's coming and delivering the message. He hasn't gone through what he's going to go through yet. He hasn't prayed in the garden. He hasn't, hasn't gone to the cross. He hasn't been buried. He hasn't risen from the dead. We see all of this. And so we have the words of Jesus and we need to do them. The wise man not only hears them, but he does them. So there's the general words of Jesus, specific, mostly in the Gospels. and then there's, But there's the reality of the Bible starts out with the words, In the beginning, God. John 1 starts out with, In the beginning was the word, Jesus. From the beginning of Genesis to the end of the Bible, God has given us his word. And we need to be people of God who hear his word and do it. Have you heard the word of God this week? Has something been revealed to you as you're reading the scriptures, as you're having your devotions, and and you've been resistant to do it? I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Uh, God's put on your heart somebody you need to forgive, and you're like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Well, you're the picture of the foolish man. The wise man is the person who hears the word of God and he, he does it. But maybe for the sake of the people who are listening to him on that day, it's about he hears these words of mine and bring it right back to the text of what they've just been flooded over with over the last two or three hours and, and what have they heard? And Jesus says, if you hear these words of mine and you do them, you're a wise person. And so he taught them about a lot of things. He taught them about laying up treasures on, in heaven instead of on earth. Are you laying up treasures on earth? Or are you laying up treasures in heaven? Are you all about acquiring everything you can get now and you're holding on to it and you're not even willing to share it? You're like that little three-year-old who won't share. And you've got all these blessings that are being poured out on you. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. Store up for yourself treasure that's going to be eternal, that's going to be in heaven. Give it away so that God can be glorified through it. Maybe that's what he was talking about. Maybe he was talking about Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Would that define you in the past week? If we were to put the video up on the screen of your life, would your life be defined as seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Probably a few moments of last week, I wouldn't want you to see what my motives were. I found myself seeking what I wanted, selfishness in a discussion with my wife or seek first the kingdom of God seek first what god has for us seek first what will bring him glory all these other things all these other blessings they'll be added to you when you get that right maybe maybe that's what jesus was teaching about or maybe just the whole overwhelming sense of the things we saw in the introduction to this message if if you hear these words of mine and do them the words about the beatitudes the character things are, are those things that mark your life are are you living as the salt of the earth and the light of the world? Or is that your heart? Is that your passion? Are you seeking to put away things like anger and lust and divorce and oaths and retaliation and, and loving your enemy? And are you spending time in prayer, not just the bwomp, bwomp, bwomp of the words you've always learned to say? I remember as little kids, we always said the same prayer. We sit at the table, there were five of us, we all learned the same one, um, and it went like this. Thank you, Jesus, for our food. Amen. Now, when you live in a house with five kids, I had two other brothers, amen equaled go. Okay. And then it was like a food fest for like 10 minutes and then we're out playing hockey, right? That was our, but that prayer was just a wah, wah, wah. Now we were learning how to pray. We were learning how to be thankful. It wasn't a total waste of time, but it wasn't really a prayer from our heart. It was just kind of the thing we always did. And, uh, is that what your prayer life's like? But when you pray, and Jesus gave them a model, he gave them an example, but we come to him and we cry out to him, knowing it's only because of God's grace we can even come to him. Maybe maybe that's what Jesus was teaching about, or maybe they're just reminded of the last things they've just heard. You got to choose a gate. It's going to lead you to a path. It's going to lead you to an end. You need to guard your heart against false teaching. You need to make sure you're more than just a person who says the right words, but you're actually doing the will of the Father. Maybe that's what they're remembering. I'm not sure, but the wise man, the wise man's response was to do, to do, to do. And when you're challenged by a word, either in your small group or from a friend who brings something to you from the word of God or you're challenged from up here and the word of God has said, are you doing the word? The wise man is the person who hears the word of Christ and does it, and does it. And then there's the foolish man. The foolish man is the one who hears the words of mine and does not do them. The fool the fool thinks he can do it on his own. The fool in Proverbs 14:1 says the fool has said in his heart, There is no God. The fool sets aside even the concept of God, one we're gonna give an account to one day. The Bible says that's foolish. You're a fool if you do that. But you're like, I haven't done that. I'm not saying there is no God. I love God. I want to. Well, maybe you're that person who thinks your ideas are better. And God has a plan. And he's told you what you need to do. He's made it clear to you who you need to forgive or who you need to go to or who you need to make something right with. And you're refusing to do it because your plan is better. That's foolish. It's foolish. It's the picture of a person who's building their house, their life, on the wrong things. You've got these great abilities you have and you think, I can get it done and I'll do it my way because I've got all these gifts. I've got all of these talents. It's all going away. I can handle this. I don't need the Lord. How many things did you come up against this week? And you never even thought to pray about it. You just dove right into it. You were saying, I can handle this. Lord, you just—I got this, Lord. I got this. I can handle this. That's the refo- that's the response of the of the foolish man. And so we have this one message that leads to two responses. The response of the wise man who does what Jesus says and the response of the foolish man who doesn't do what Jesus says. And when you look at the text, we come back and there's one set of circumstances. One message, two people, one set of circumstances. They both face the same thing. Look what it says in verse 25. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew. That's for the wise man who builds his house on the rock. Down in verse 27, for the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew. Can we just get this understood that life is hard. It's going to be difficult. Everybody faces the same kinds of circumstances. The rains fall, the floods come, the winds blow. Anybody who teaches you that just put your life in Jesus and everything's going to be fine is a liar. It's not going to be easy. It was never promised to be easy. Matter of fact, as we saw on the two paths, it's promised to be difficult. It's difficult for everyone. The question is how will we handle it and what difference will it make in our lives? And what will that look like for us? In Matthew five forty-five, for he makes his... His sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So when it comes to difficulty in our lives, we need to understand difficulties are normal. Difficulties are normal. Some people are like, what have I done? Why is the Lord judging me like this? It's normal. Most of the time, what you're coming, unless you're coming under discipline of God directly for something, this is just normal. Life is difficult. It's normal. It's a natural thing. It's a guaranteed thing. It happens to everyone. It's a universal thing. It's going to happen. It's going to happen to everyone. These circumstances that you face, they're coming. You're like, well, no, I'm I'm in a sweet spot right now. Everything is just sweet. Nothing's going wrong. Life is so good. Well, get ready because it's coming. It's only a matter of when. It's not a matter of if. If. And this is all going to come down and what are you going to do with these struggles when they come? How are you going to handle these things? What difference will Christ be in your life in the midst of it? A a parallel passage to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew is in Luke 6, 47 to 49, where it says, for everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream broke against the house... it could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who builds his house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. When things go horribly wrong, when things go against what you had hoped for, when things are beyond your control, I don't know what your storm looks like, but I can tell you this what you've built your life on will make all of the difference on how you handle the storm. Will you be walling around with no hope, screaming and shouting, everything's out of control? Or will at the base of the foundation, in the midst of all of the hurt, and I'm not minimizing the pain, I'm not minimizing the struggle, you will stand and you will lean on Jesus Christ, the rock? That's what Christ is saying. You need to choose me because I am the rock, not a rock, not one of many ways. I am the rock. You need to choose, you need to choose me. The storm could be literal. It could be literal rains that come, literal floodwaters that rise. A couple years ago, I remember a storm that came through, and uh, we missed it here, but they didn't miss it over in Burlington. Um and uh, I remember talking to my son and, and just at Harvest in Oakville and, and so many families and a number of families their basements were just like swamped right out from that rain. And uh, it was interesting to see how the church responded there and how they sought to help people who had need. And, but the reality what I want you to see is the difference that happened between the guy whose, whose basement was wiped out. All of his little man cave was now gone. But how those people responded to how the world responded who had no hope and they were just devastated by this and oh my goodness what will happen and and their lives were in devastation both of them had the same problem but how they handled it was very different the storm could be a literal storm how we respond to such tragedies will reveal the quality of the foundation we've built on it could be a literal storm but it could be a figurative storm It could be the loss, the sudden loss of a loved one. We've seen that with people in our church. It it could be the uh, sudden bad news of a, a medical report and what you thought was going along okay all of a sudden isn't going along okay anymore. Or it could have been, you know, our life was okay. I had a good job. And somehow that thing got snatched out from underneath you. The storms, they come. The rains, they come. The wind, it blows. How are you handling those things in your life? Are you screwing around in a frenzy and wondering and screaming and shouting? And or are you coming back to Jesus Christ is the rock? I'm going to lean on the rock. And with God's help, I'm going to get through this because my foundation is solid. It could be a literal storm. It could be a figurative storm. There's going to be a final storm for sure at the end of our lives when we're going to stand before God and, and give an account and... It's all going to be determined by the foundation you have laid your life on. And Jesus is saying, follow me. It's appointed for a man to die once. And after that comes the judgment. 2 Corinthians 5 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Matthew 25, 21 says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master, Jesus Christ, the reality of who he is, the stability of what he has done for us and the hope we have in him for eternal life. That's that's the foundation we're getting to. That's what we're going for. But there's just one set of circumstances and it's interesting. Same kinds of things happen to both groups of people. So there's one set of circumstances, but there's two very different results. Two very different results. It says in the text, the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew. Around the Sea of Galilee in the summertime, there was, um, when it was dry and hot, the ground would be baked and it would be hard. And if you went to build a house there in the summer, you go, I could just like put a pad down here and just put it up right here. This is, a, this is sweet. But when the rains come, it all gets soft and it all turns mushy. And so wise people knew that you had to dig down. You had to build a solid foundation. If you didn't, it was going to be shaken. And when the rains came and the floods came and the wind came, if it wasn't built the right way, it was going to fall down. Isn't it interesting that in the text it says, the house, it says, and the house was the same. The rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. It's not like one was a little shack off to the side, just a rickety little thing, and the other one was built. No, there's just two houses. Kind of like the houses in Markham. There's only like four different houses in Markham, right? They're all the same. They're all cookie cutter, They aim in a different direction, different color stuff, but basically they're all the same. That's the picture here. You build a house. You have these two houses But the foundation is so different, and the foundation work makes all of the difference. If it's not right, if it's not done proper, that's a critical step. The house will not stand, it won't be safe. It won't be secure. If everything's not square, as you build it up, it gets worse as you go up from one floor to the next. It's so important that you get the foundation right. And so there are two foundations, there are two pictures, and the first one is the picture of the house that stands. I've got a picture to put up on the screen for you of talking about foundations. You have to make sure you get the foundation right. You have to dig down. You have to get the footings in place. And and man now basically builds the rock that we build the house on to make sure nothing's gonna move. Everything is going to be safe. That's the way that we build houses. We build them so they're not going to fall. What you build with is important, but what you build on is critical. Okay, so there's another verse in the Bible that talks about what we build with in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's found in 1 Corinthians three, twelve and 13. It says, now if anyone builds on the foundation, that's what we're coming back to, with gold and silver and precious stones, wood and hay and straw, each one's work will be manifested for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. 1 Corinthians three twelve to 13, I believe is talking about sanctification. The foundation is set on the rock and this is a verse about what you build your life on. What are you building with? Because at the end there's going to be a testing and whatever's left, that's the jewels in our crown as it were, that we're giving to Jesus. So make sure you're building on the foundation with the right things. That's not what Jesus is specifically teaching about here. That's more about our sanctifying process and growing up in Christ. What Jesus is talking about here is the rock. It's the foundation piece. It's what this is all set on. Romans 18.2 says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. One hope on one foundation, Jesus Christ. 1 Samuel 2.2, 2, there's none holy like the Lord. There's none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Not another rock, not many other ways to a rock. There's one rock it is Jesus Christ. 2 Samuel twenty-two thirty-two 32 says, for who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? We have the rock of the word of Christ, and we have the rock of the work of Christ. And our lives need to be built on the rock. And the rock that's built on the on the, on the house that's built on the solid rock, when the wind comes, when the storm comes, when the flood comes, it will stand. Will it be easy? No, it won't be easy, but it will stand. Is it going to be without pain? No, it's going to be a lot of pain, but it will stand because the focus keeps going back to the rock. It keeps going back to Jesus. It keeps going back to what he's done. It keeps going back to the hope we have in him. It will stand. But there's a second picture in the text, it's about the one who builds her house on the, on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Here's another picture for you to see, and it's a picture, you know, it's a famous picture of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and millions of people have tried to hold it up with their hands in photos, right? You've all seen those, and um, that tower was built in um, 1173, 844 approximately years ago. Scientists have traveled to Pisa every year to measure and try to make sure that it's not going over. They've done major construction to assure that it won't go over. But did you know this? It's about 17 feet out of plumb. Did you know this? That, that they knew it was sinking before they finished building it. And they kept building it anyways. They knew there was a problem, but they... Kept on going. I guess the contractor figured I'll be gone before this ever happens. It's not going to be my problem. I don't know. Kind of the guy who built your house. I'll never be a part of this. So I'm out of here. So here's an interesting uh, uh, comment. A true statement. You know what the word Pisa means? The Tower of Pisa. The word Pisa means marshy land. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Let's build a tower on a place that's called marshy land. Duh. I'm not a builder, but even I know that's not a good plan. Here's something else I know. The footings for this went down exactly 10 feet. We're in a marsh, and we think we can build a tower, but we're only going to go down 10 feet into the soup to set the footing. And if it wasn't for all the work that has been done over the years, that thing would have toppled over a long, long time ago. And when the winds come and the storms come and the floods come and that kind of a building is doomed, it's going down, it's going over. It's the house that falls. Why? Because it wasn't built on the right foundation. They didn't do the preliminary work first. They didn't get down to the solid ground. They didn't get down to the rock. That thing was doomed from the day it was started. It was ne- Now it's a tourist attraction, but it was never designed for that. They basically built it on the sand. Well, how are you building your life on the sand? And what does the sand look like for you today? If you've never trusted Christ, the sand for you might be, I'm building my, my house, my, my hope on the foundation of another religion. I'm gonna to try to get to God another way. Pluralism, there's lots of ways to God another way. There's one way through Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus claimed. I am the way, the truth, and life. Christianity is exclusive. It's not arrogant, it's humble. It's only because of Jesus Christ. It doesn't set us up as anything great. It sets him up as great. But lots of people are on there, I've got my plan. I'm gonna try this route, I'm gonna go this way, I'm gonna do this thing, I'm gonna find my own spirituality. It's all sand. And when the trials come, even in this world, it doesn't truly stand. And at the end of the day, when you're going to stand before God, he's going to say, I don't even know who you are. It's sand. And the destruction will be great. Maybe the sand for you is on self. No, I'm I'm, I'm going to be okay before God. I'm going to accomplish enough things. I'm going to do enough good things. I'm going to bless enough people. When I get to heaven, God's going to be like, whoa, you finally arrived. Come on in. Now he's going to say, I don't know who you are. You're not my child. You're building your house on the sand. And even in eternity, it won't stand. But even in this day, when it's taken away, all of your hope is in those kind of things. And even as believers, although we come to the place, no, no, my foundation is Jesus. We can have sandy days in our lives. When we get our eyes off of who Jesus Christ is and what the foundation ought to be and we get our eyes on, I've got to have this job or I've got to have this thing or I've got to have this relationship and without it, I'm not going to be fulfilled. That sandy kind of stuff that when the rains come and the storms come and the floods come and the winds come, it's going to fall down. Build your house on the rock. It's about yourself. It's about your accomplishments. It's about your position, the prestige you have. I'm just going to live in my prestige because I am like numero uno and people love me and everybody surrounds me and it's all going to fall down. Maybe your sand is your family. And and your decisions about your family trump, they trump your decisions about God and holiness on a regular basis. And the sand you're building your life on is, no, no, my kids, I got my kids, they'll take care of me, they'll take care of me, I'll be okay, I'll be okay. You won't be okay. Now, you might be okay for a while on this side, but you're not gonna be okay on the other side for sure. And so you have those who build their house that stands on the rock, and you have those who build their house On the rock it stands. You have those who build their house on the sand and it's doomed to fall. It's going to crash. It's going to burn. Verse 25 tells us why the house on the rock did not fall. It's because it's on. It doesn't fall because it's on the rock. And the one that's on the sand, it doesn't tell us why it doesn't fall, but it's like one of those Captain Obvious things. It's not built on the rock. It's on the wrong foundation. And when the storm comes, and when the wind comes and when the flood comes, it's going to crash, it's going to burn. A house that's built on the sand does not give us the real answers to the troubles of our world today. When you're building your house on what you think you've got and what you think, it doesn't answer the questions of even today. Look at our society. Look at the norms are being falling out all over the place. The hope that we have is in Jesus Christ. It's not in a government. It's not in your friends. It's not in your job. It's in Christ. That's where our hope is. A house that's built on the sand does not give us the answers to the judgment that is still to come. And so as people of God, there is one message. One message, but two recipients. There's one set of circumstances, but two kinds of results. Well, so what? Jesus has come to the end of the teaching. And Jesus has come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He's poured his heart out to these people. He says, you have to choose. It's time to choose me. I am the rock, the solid foundation. Are you here today? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone as your solid foundation?" That's not arrogance about a church. That's not arrogance about me. That's all about Jesus Christ. He's the one who came. He's the one who accomplished. He's the one who did it all so you could have eternal life. Today, choose Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's the transferring of your trust to realize all the stuff I have, all the hopes I have, it's all going away. It's all getting washed away. It's all going to crumble because it's built on a wrong foundation. And today put your trust in Jesus Christ and base your life on the solid rock, Jesus Christ alone, and be saved and have the confidence and hope of eternal life. If that's your story because you've never trusted Christ, today is the day. Believe and be saved. But church, followers of Jesus Christ, we already claim to be built on that foundation. So why do we allow the sandy decisions to get in the way? Why do we get so mushy about so many different things? God helping us Every day, fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author, the finisher, or perfecter of our faith, helping us in the journey when it's hard, we come back to we are on a foundation that is solid. It is the rock, Jesus Christ. The reality of what He's done, the stability that He offers, the hope that is ours for eternity. You must understand that you were built to live forever. At the same time, you must realize that your physical life is but a vapor and you will spend infinitely more time in eternity than you spend on this earth. Build upon the reality of the rock, Jesus Christ, that you too will have the hope of eternal life. The hope of knowing, I don't have to make this on my own, Jesus Christ my foundation. Let's pray. Father, this is your word, and we thank you for it. We thank you for the challenge of it. We thank you for the reality of how your spirit stirs in our hearts, and Lord, for the person who's here today who's a follower of Jesus Christ, and, and we know the foundation is you, and yet so often we get pulling off of that and trying to build on our own stuff. Lord, I don't know what you've revealed to people in the room. I don't know whether it's a sin you revealed to them. I don't know if it's a relationship we've revealed to them. I don't know if it's a priority you've revealed to them. But Lord, you've been revealing things to people. Father, would you teach us to get our eyes on the rock, to build our lives on the foundation, to turn God from our sin and live for your glory. But then Lord, I pray for the person who's in this room today and I believe, Lord, it's the primary part of what this text was for. Are we building our lives on the foundation? Have we made Jesus Christ the rock that our hope is found in? Have we trusted Christ alone? Have we, Lord, we've never done that perfectly. We're growing in this every day, but have we chosen Jesus Christ? When we stand before you, God, we're not standing with anything before you except Jesus, the hope of glory. Father, for the person who's here has never done that today, I ask God you would bring them to the place of letting go of themselves and trusting Jesus Christ alone. Do that work, God, I pray, for your fame and your glory. We pray in Jesus' name.